As we come this morning, I want us to spend a couple of weeks looking at Thanksgiving. You probably figured that was coming, didn't you? That wasn't uh, much of a brainer. But uh, a question for you of what is Thanksgiving? What is Thanksgiving? Back in the day, they come together to celebrate the Pilgrims and the Indians, we say, came together to celebrate and to give thanks. And then there was a declaration by one of our presidents that the Thursday, last Thursday of the month, would be Thanksgiving. Well, unfortunately, with that, a couple of times it rolled around and there were five weeks in the month. So it added an extra week in there. And the retailers got upset. It said it affected on their sales for Christmas and it would hurt them. So they went to Franklin D. Roosevelt and Congress passed a law that it would be the third Thursday, excuse me, the fourth Thursday of every month would be the official date for Thanksgiving for people to get together and to eat turkey and to play games and whatever they might do for Thanksgiving. But I'm here to tell you that there's a lot more to Thanksgiving than turkey and ham. Kind of hurt my feelings when I was saying I like turkey and ham. It's a lot more than all of that. It's a lot more than an us-focused time. Thanksgiving is about turning our attention to God and giving thanks to God. While they might have come together thankful for the meal, those pilgrims and Indians, nothing that we have has come to us without God. Without God, there is nothing. So thanksgiving is giving thanks to God. Now I know where many of us are in our journey in life, all in different places. This has been a difficult year for many And you say, really, you want to talk about Thanksgiving? You want to talk about being grateful? You want to talk about thanks? How can I do that in a time like this? Well, remember what I said Thanksgiving was. It's not about us, but it's about him. It's about giving thanks to him. So what I want to do for just a few moments with you this morning is I want to give you five things that the Bible says about God and why we can give him thanks even in the midst of difficulty, in the midst of rejoicing or whatever. But if we're going to give him thanks, I want us to look at five things this morning. If you would take your Bible and turn to Psalm 106, Psalm 106 verse 1, the one I read at the beginning will set our stage for us. Because it tells us, oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His loving kindness endures forever. So there it is. We're to give thanks for him. What's the first thing I want us to look at comes from Psalm 136, just a couple of pages over, verse 1. And we have, excuse me, Psalm 95. I'm sending you the wrong direction. Let's go back to your left. Psalm 95 Verse 2, one thing that we can praise God for is we serve and we worship a supreme God. A supreme God. Verse 9, 
Psalm 95, verse 2, let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a loud shout to him with songs of praise. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. When we come before the Lord, we're to come before him with worship and with thanksgiving and with praises in our heart. It says there to come before him with a loud shout. I understand we're in the Baptist church, but it is okay to shout from time to time. Amen. Can we just shout a hallelujah this morning? Hallelujah. We serve a worshipful God. We serve a wonderful God. We serve a supreme God. It tells us there at verse 3 that he is a great God. Let me tell you, there are others out there who claim to be some form of a God or a kind of God. We've had them throughout all history. There are other religions out there to claim to have someone who is over them, someone that God has spoken to and brought them some kind of testimony. But let me tell you what, it's not as great as our God, and a lot of it is false. But we serve a great God. The God we serve is the creator of this universe. All he had to do was to speak, and the earth come into existence. It says that he is a great king. There are those who are in positions of kings, but our king is supreme. He is over every other king that there is. We are to bow to no one other than to God because he is the supreme God. And it says he is above all gods. Let me tell you, there's something about our God that is great and greater that makes him supreme over any other entity that's out there. Is Our God is what is known as that which is beyond conceiving. There is nothing greater than our God. If you think about anything that's out there, think about the greatest thing that there is other than our God, and there's always something about it that can make it greater. Picture the best island that's out there, maybe some remote island that you'd want to go to in paradise, as some might say, and you make it whatever you want, but it could always be just a, a little bit better. There could maybe be a little bit more breeze or a little less breeze. But when it comes to our supreme God, there is none greater. There is nothing that you can fathom that is greater. There's nothing that you can conceive, nothing that you can make that is better than our God. So we can come before God and we can give him thanks that the God we serve is a supreme God. There's nothing greater. We don't have to look for anything better than he does. We can be thankful in that supreme God. Secondly, our God is eternal. Church, that's very important to us. We can thank God because he's eternal. Psalm 136 verse 1 says, Give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his loving kindness endures forever. I tell you that threw me for a little bit of loop this morning when I was finalizing and typing out my notes and marking things. I had 136.1. I said, well, it was 1061. So I said, let me go back and fix it. But let me read to you. 1361, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his loving kindness endures forever. If you turn to 1061, it says, praise the Lord, O give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his loving kindness endures forever. It must be something special, exact same words written twice, two different verses. His loving 
kindness endures forever. That's something you can be thankful for. You don't have to wake up today and you don't have to worry about God not being there because he's eternal. God was there before time. Very difficult for us as humans because all we know is time. We do everything from seconds and minutes and hours and days and weeks and the sun coming up and the sun going down and life and death. Everything is time to us. But we can be thankful because the God that we serve, the God that we worship is eternal. He was before time. He has always been. How long is that? All I can tell you is he's always been because there was no time. But he is also in the here and the now because God created time. You hear how great he is? He created time. He said he put the sun and the moon in the sky to mark seasons, day and night. And we have time that was created because of this eternal God. He created time, but he's so eternal that he stands outside of time and he knows all things at all times. He knows every possibility that ever could be. He knows beginning to end, before beginning and past end. He knows it all. You can be thankful that's a God who loves you. Can you imagine someone so great loving someone like me? Loving someone like you, you can be thankful. But more than that, you can be thankful because God will be here after time. Because he is eternal. And because of his great love for us, we get brought into that relationship through our faith. And we will get to spend everlasting life with him He will always be. We will always be with him. There's no taking us away. He is eternal. You can give him thanks for that. You can give him thanks because he's eternal. He's the same God yesterday, today, and tomorrow. I'm so glad that when I wake up, I don't have to wonder what kind of mood is God going to be in today. Have you ever known someone? We're not going to really say anything, but maybe a boss. When you would go to work one day, he would be just the best thing or she was the best thing there was. And the next day you wonder what broom they got off of. I mean, people can be finicky. But God is not. He's the same. He tells us exactly who he is in his word. He loves us so much that he spelled it out. We can be thankful. We can give thanks to God because he is eternal. But the third one is probably one of my favorite, and that is God is a personal God. He is a personal God. Look over at Philippians chapter 4. We're going, we've looked at two things about God in the Old Testament. We're going to look at three quickly in the New Testament. But Philippians, toward the back, chapter 4, begins to tell us about our God being a personal God. It says, Verse 6, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We serve and we worship a personal God. Let me tell you what that means to you. Do you know there is no other religion 
that claims to have a personal God. In my studies, just this very week, we've been looking at Islam and some of the other religions. And you know, in Islam, it's not a personal God. You're just to bow down and do whatever he says. There's nothing personal. You talk and you give him praises, but you don't take anything of your concern to him. He's not worried about you. You look at the other religions and things that you do. And one thing I love about our personal God that's different than the other is in these other religions, you don't have any guarantee of your salvation. You can do everything they put forth with a chance or a hope that maybe, just maybe, your good will outweigh your bad. But our God is personally, he loves us, he wants a relationship with us. Unlike other religions, the only way in Islam that you can be guaranteed a right passage is to go into a holy war and have yourself killed for the purpose. I mean, does that sound like a very personal God? I'll give you life if you'll kill yourself for me. It's not the God we worship. We can be thankful that he loves us. It says there at verse 6, let your request be made known to God. It says, be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. God wants to know your request. Now, I'm here to tell you he already knows it. But there's something different about a God who is concerned enough with you that he wants you to come to him. He wants that fellowship with you. He wants to know what's concerning you. What is your anxiety? What are your prayers? What are your petitions? It says, let your requests be made known to God. If we put ourselves in the right place, church, and we don't often like to do this, but when we look at ourselves, who are we to come before a holy God? Who are we to come before the sovereign God? But those who are loved by him, he made a way through his son, Jesus, that we could come. And he says, come. Back in the day when they had kings, you know, the story about Mordecai and those, you didn't just go before the king. If you just walked in to the king's room, most likely you would be killed unless you were summoned. But our God says, come to me. He calls us all freely to come before him. And it says, and the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension. This personal God, he's concerned with us. We can have peace in this personal God. Amen. We can praise him. We can thank him for that. I didn't say we're always going to have happiness. There is a true and far cry difference between happiness and peace. But in the middle of the storm, you can have peace. You remember the story I used some time back about they were doing a contest for a, a painting on peace to see who could paint the best picture. There was about five or six of them lined up there. And the, the judges come in and they began looking at them. And you have this pretty meadow of green grass. You had one that had the the little flowing water and the sun was shining or the trees, all these things that would invoke peace. Then they got to the very last one. It was a very dark picture, blacks and deep purples. 
you could see this big rock cliff and this water gushing off and storm and lightning all around. And you look up in the cliff and there was a little bird's nest that had a little baby bird with its mother's arms just wrapped around it. And it was in peace. You know, they chose that. People were appalled when they first saw it. And then when the judges declared it, they said, how can it be? It said, perfect peace is when you're in the middle of the storm and you can still have peace. Our personal God is that one who wraps his arms around us and he provides us peace in the storm. And then it says there that the God which surpasses all comprehension will guard your hearts. You can look at any other little G God that's out there and there's not a one that's concerned about their people. But our great God says, I'm going to guard your heart. I'm personal. Church, we can be thankful even in the middle of whatever you're going through. You can find in yourself to be thankful that you serve and that a supreme, eternal, and personal God loves you. And that you can love him and makes himself available to us. Number four, he's a saving God. Amen. Are you glad that he is a saving God? Colossians chapter 2. Turn to your right just a a few pages. You'll come to the book of Colossians chapter 2 and verse 6. It says, therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Having been firmly rooted and being built up in him and having been established in your faith, just as you were instructed and abounding with thanksgiving. He is a saving God. It says, therefore, as you received Christ, God saves the lost. God saves those who will come to him. You know the scripture probably pretty well that while we were enemies... While we were against God, he loved us enough to send his son to die on the cross to pay our price. Think about that this morning. Let me say it this way. He died on the cross to pay your price. If you were the only one that was a sinner and separated from God, he died on the cross. There's times that I have to pause and think that We think how horrible it was of those Roman soldiers that whipped him and nailed him to the cross. But church, if we're honest, we're the ones that nailed him to the cross. And we can be thankful that he loved us enough that he knew the way to have a relationship, to be personal with us, was to pay that price. So he sent his son who could redeem us. We can receive Christ. It says, so walk in him. When life is difficult and you're going through the hard times, walk in Christ. He's the light. He's the way. He's the truth. And then it tells us there that we've been firmly rooted in him, built up. We're there beside him as we talked about, I think it was Wednesday night, a a tree firmly planted by the water that absorbs that nutrients. God provides for us through salvation. He provides everything we need. When we come into him, we become his child. You take care of your children, God takes care of us. We become his servant. It was the master's job to provide and to care for the servant. You see, he's a saving God. 
He saved us from an eternal hell, a life separated from God forever. But he saves us. And he says he's established us in our faith. He's changed us. We get built up. He encourages, he strengthens us, he moves us on. You see, we can go on and on with things to be thankful for. And it's not just that, but he's also a sovereign God. Turn just a few more pages to your right, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And we're going to see here that as a supreme, eternal, personal, saving God, he is also the sovereign God. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 16 it says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. The God we serve is sovereign. What does sovereign mean? We have nothing in this world today that we can compare sovereign to anymore. Sovereign means, basically, we could say it here, the buck stops with him. He is in total control. He has ultimate control. In years past, in centuries past, there were kings or queens. And for a period of time, they were sovereign. What they said ruled. It did not matter right or wrong. What they said ruled. Now we have some today who are still in positions of kings or queens. But they have others who rule with them. They're not the ultimate final authority. But the God we serve is sovereign. And he does have ultimate authority. He has control over everything. His son Jesus walked on water. He spoke and the storm calmed. He spoke and the world was created. He spoke and dead came to life. You see who we worship, we can be thankful for is sovereign. But he also has plans for us. It says, for this is God's will for you to give thanks in everything. He has a design for each and every one of you, a plan. It breaks my heart when I talk to some people and they say, well, there's just nothing else for me to do. I've served all my time, and now there's nothing else for me to do. That is a bunch of baloney or hogwash, whatever word you want to use. Because let me tell you, as long as you have breath in your lungs and you are alive, God still has a plan for you. He still has something for you to do. He still loves you, and you have a purpose in this life. Doesn't matter how much hair you have left on your head or how little. God knows everyone that's there. For some of us, it's a little more difficult for him than others. But it's not difficult at all because he is sovereign. He knows all. And let me tell you what I love about God's plan. I don't know God's exact plan for your life. I'm still working out his plan for my life. But I do know one thing. God's plan and will for you is good and not bad. Bible tells us his plan is for good, not for welfare or calamity. You can thank God for that. That the sovereign God who has a design and a will for you has a good life for you. Not one of evil. 
So I want to encourage you as we come along this month with the idea of Thanksgiving. Yes, we make plans. We're making plans in my family to get together and to be with others. We make plans on what to fix. Who's going to bring what? How long is it going to take? Where are we going to do it? All of these plans. But let me encourage you. I don't want for any of this to come into battle with what thanksgiving really is and that is giving thanks to god because regardless of anything else we can give thanks to god everything we do our food our family our board games our fun everything we do is all because of god's love for us all because of who god is so this thanksgiving i encourage you be sure to give him thanks continually throughout this month. Many of you might have received your newsletters. If not, they'll probably be there Monday. And I encourage you, and I do, I want to encourage you, take a little notebook. And in that notebook on a page every day, put November 1st, November 2nd, spend just a few moments in God's Word and find a verse that talks about Thanksgiving. If you need help, I've given you five of them this morning. Or find something in there to be thankful for. Each day, write that verse out on that page. One page, one day, one verse. It's going to change your life, number one, because you're going to spend a little bit of time every day in God's Word. But let me tell you where this book becomes more valuable. I don't know about you, but if you've ever had a time that you were just down, you just couldn't seem to get there. All you got to do is reach over and pick up this little book. You're going to have 30 verses right there about something about God to be thankful for. You read a couple of those and your spirit will change. Begin thanking God. It will be a lifetime resource for you. I encourage you to do it. Maybe I'll show you all mine next Sunday as it moves along. Would you bow your heads this morning? Father God, uh, say so often how thankful I am. But Father, uh, Lord, I pray it doesn't just become a, a word or an act. But Father, may I continually remain thankful. And Father, there's never enough time to say thank you. Lord God, for all you've done for me. Lord, all you've done for those here. All you've done for our church. Father, we could list and list and list and never be finished. Father, I pray this November 2023 that Lord you would help us at least once a day. Father, to pause and to thank you for something that day. And Father, as we gather around the table with family and friends, to celebrate Thanksgiving, Lord, may it be a true celebration of you. And may we acknowledge you around that table. But Father, I'm also not ignorant, Lord. I know that there are many this Thanksgiving, Lord, that will grieve as they gather. 
And Father, some that may be grieving so much that they don't gather with someone. Lord, I I just begin now, Lord, asking that you would do what that verse says and your peace that passes all comprehension would just surround them. Father, for whatever it may be, Lord, that would lift them up. And Father, in their dark moment, may there be a light of hope through their thanks to you because God, you are supreme. God, you are eternal. You are personal. You are savoring. And you are sovereign. Lord, I just pray in the next few moments, Lord, that you would just speak to the hearts of those here. And Father, Lord, that they would respond to you. And Lord God, I just pray everything in the precious, most holy name of your son, Jesus. Amen.